Good morning, Promise Church. We are so happy that we get to continue on worshiping God together. And we're continuing on by entering into a new sermon series. One of the things that I have listened to a lot is people talking to me about their prayer life, and sometimes their lack of prayer life where they really struggle with how do I express myself to God in a way that doesn't kind of, my words don't bounce off the ceiling or I don't feel like I'm talking to myself. How is prayer supposed to work? What are we supposed to do inside of our prayer? What are we supposed to focus on and how does it sound? I mean, I remember being in, uh, in youth group and I'd hear all of the adult leaders of the youth group pray and their prayers were so well-formed. They were so articulate. They were so pristine and good. And I remember the first time we were doing this prayer around the circle thing and I'm praying or actually somebody else is praying and I'm going to be next. And in my mind, I'm praying, oh God, don't let me sound like an idiot. And you know, my heart is racing and all I'm supposed to be doing is just saying a simple prayer. But it became so hard because the pressure of praying right was evident. And maybe you felt that pressure as well. Maybe you felt a time where, you know, you know you're supposed to pray, but you don't know what words to say, and you don't know how to pray, and you don't know really what is, what is prayer and what is its effect. A lot of time when we think of prayer, we think of our prayer requests, the, the uh, asks that we give to God, and, and really in the same context of what I just said, sometimes we think if we ask better, we'll, we have a better chance of getting it, like there's a secret formula. Well, the reality is with God and prayer that we don't need a secret formula. We don't need anything except for us connecting with God and saying, God, this is what we want. But while we don't need it, it doesn't mean that scripture is bereft of any insights or bereft of examples. What we have is we have the entire Psalter. The Psalter is the 150 Psalms written in the book of Psalms. All of them are prayers. All of them are different people of God who are expressing themselves in their situation with different focuses, different requests, different artistic strokes. And they have worked for Israel, they have worked for Jews outside of Israel, and they have worked for Christians for thousands of years to sometimes stand in the place of our own articulation, where we can read a psalm and we can say, hmm, that's resonating really well with what I'm experiencing right now. In this sermon series, we're going to look at five psalms, and we're going to go through them and, you know, journey through kind of what the psalmist is expressing and giving us different motifs of how we can think of prayer. <coughs> so, let me start by praying. God, as we enter into this discussion about prayer, I pray that you would teach us through the example of people who have gone before. Oftentimes we're gonna be looking at David and through his example and how he approached you. 
God, I know that it doesn't mean that I have to use David's words, and I know that it doesn't mean that I have to hit, you know, certain pros. I know those things. But God, I pray that I would learn and that we would learn more about the language that we can use to express to you the topics in which we can cover, the perspectives in which we can approach you with. And God, I pray that this would be an encouraging sermon series for the people of Promise Church and for whoever else listens and joins in and watches. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there is a ton of hope in Psalms. And the one we're going to start with is right at the beginning, Psalm 1. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read it, and then we're going to break it down uh, for us to determine what it's saying, how it's saying it, and how we learn from it. So let's take a look. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So this is an encouragement to continue on being faithful to God. And it stands in the face of apparent observation. So what we have is we've got the observation that says that the wicked, the people who aren't trying to be good or godly, seem to be succeeding. They seem to be moving ahead. They seem to be gaining ground. Their life seems to be put together. Yet here I am, as a good Christian, restricted. I can't, in good conscience cheat on my income tax. I can't in good conscience lie to get myself ahead. I can't in good conscience do the things that seem to work so well for the wicked. I can't, I can't get there and it's frustrating. I mean, have you ever felt like God is holding you back? Have you ever felt like like the way that God wants us to live isn't quite as efficient as the way that the world gets to live? They get to do whatever they want. And here we are just doing what we're supposed to do. And it's like, God, come on. Come on. What is going on here? And, you know, the temptation is to actually land on that conclusion. The temptation that we can sometimes come to our prayers with is to say, God, you're not, you're not letting me succeed. You're holding me back. And look at the wicked. They seem to have everything. We see this format of prayer happen all throughout the Psalms. 
We see it happen throughout the minor prophets as well. Habakkuk is amazing for his complaint where he says, you know, God, they, they come and they, they rule and they, they flourish, but they are so wicked. Where are you? What are you doing? Because the righteous ones are being oppressed and thrown out. And how do we deal with this? And, and God faithfully answers Habakkuk's complaints. But, but we look at this and, and we see this tension. And what the psalmist does for us is he gives us a few points that we think about. So there's four of them that we see in this in these psalms. The first one is where you get your counsel will determine in the long term how you survive and thrive. Where you get your counsel will determine how you survive and thrive. Have you ever considered where somebody gets their information? I mean, in our world, information has just flooded our minds. We, can, we have access to information in ways that people don't. On the way here today, I was listening to the newscast, and, you know, 680 News on the Ones has traffic. And I knew the traffic situations all over the main arteries of southern Ontario just because I listen to the news. Now, we don't think of that as anything profound because it's so normal, but if we think back before radio, you don't know what's going on in the traffic. You don't, there is no traffic before radio. You don't get that kind of information over this long span. I could find out very easily what is happening in New York City, hundreds of kilometers away from me. And I can just find that out. We've got, we've got information coming at us from the internet. We've got information coming at us in, in plethora of books, friends. We have information coming from the Bible and we have information coming from our schooling. You know, all these places are where we get information. And Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. What we see in this first two verses of Psalms is we see that the source of information, the highlighted source of information is Scripture. Whereas in our culture, we have tons of places of information in the Psalms, it says, we're not getting counsel from the wicked or from scoffers, especially not trolls on the internet. We're not getting counsel from all of these places that you could get counsel from. We are finding it. We are finding our delight in the law of the Lord, in what became the written scriptures of God. We're finding it right there. So does your source of information and counsel measure up? Is it strong enough to produce a surviving and thriving life? See, because we have so much information available to us, we now individually have to sort through the mire of information. We have to say, I will put stock in this, but not in that. And we are all making these decisions every single day. 
We're filtering, our minds are constantly filtering out information that we agree with, that we think is solid, and information that we disagree with, that we think is, is completely foolishness and stupidity. And so we're constantly sorting through information and trying to tease out and parse out what is true. And the Bible is saying right here in the Psalms, is your source of information strong enough? Do you delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night? Does God's perspective on the world stand as your filter? And here's the question of the psalm. Meditation is a predetermining factor to success and blessing. And it's, it's when we take God's word in and we meditate. It, it doesn't say, you know, read the Bible every day. It actually says, meditate on it day and night. Be consciously mulling over the truths of God day and night. Let them be your screen for all the other information that's coming in from all around the world. If you have a, an outcome in mind, you know, you, you need to get there and you need to think about how we're going to get there. We focus our attention on God and say, God, is this, first off, is this outcome yours? Are you calling me to that? Or is that just something that's coming from an external source or even just my own imagination? And so we're discerning and we're meditating on God's word day and night. I mean, what does it take to be disciplined? What, what, does, it, what does it take to say, you know, I'm going to think about this every single day? It's not about checking a box and saying, yep, I did my God thing today, I'm done, and you know, God got my seven to ten minutes that I gave him at morning coffee or maybe on the drive to work. It's, it's really about intentionally focusing our life choices. It's intentionally focusing everything through that lens of God. Do you know God's way? Are you familiar enough with the things of God to be able to judge and make decisions of your own life? And do you put daily actions and postures in place that allow you to meditate on God's word? See, because the second thing that comes out of this is healthy counsel will produce healthy lives that flourish at the right time. The, the verse that we look at is verse 3. It says, He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf doesn't wither. And all that he does prospers. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I want. That's what, that's what I really, really want, where, where it's like, yeah, that sounds pleasurable and good. So here's the deal that the Bible kind of is making right here. You meditate on the way of God and on the words of God, and then you will be like a tree planted by streams of water, having enough to grow and root and develop. And in all that you do, you will prosper. And, and we see that healthy counsel will produce healthy lives that flourish in the right time. See, fruit is yielded in its season. 
It's important. In our culture, we are a production-focused world. We want to see results. I, I got an email from my gym membership guy, and, uh, and he said, you know, if, if you've started working out and you've changed your healthy habits and your goal is to lose weight and you're three weeks in and the scale hasn't moved, don't give up. Don't give up. Because he's arguing if you continue on that path, you will receive the fruit of your labor in due course. But we want to see it happen now. The truth is that the investment of daily meditating on the law of God is a long-haul investment. It's something that we do and we have the strength of person that we flourish, that we are a strong tree, as it were. And there we are. But a tree does not always produce that fruit all the time that's like, oh, there it is. But it doesn't mean that that tree is not healthy or strong. It simply means it's not the season right now. So you are going to be tempted to find more immediate or more efficient ways of producing what you're looking for. And so you find shortcuts. Well, if I just do this, it gets faster. I could, I could do this and, and, and God's going to make it work better or, or it will just work better. And we use other sources or we find tricks that are flimsy and, and, we, and we, the encouragement is to stay faithful to the counsel of God and his word because you will be like a tree planted by the streams of water. Our third point is unhealthy counsel will produce unhealthy lives. It's a comparative towards whether you go to looking at what God has said versus the wicked. Verse 4, the wicked are not so, they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Like the wind drives it away. Like it's just... It's, it's, they came up with a scheme, with an idea. It seemed to flourish for a bit. And then it was like a flash in a pan and it just, it didn't work. And they're left floundering going, what's my next strategy? What's my next move? How do I next solve for that? What's the silver bullet that's going to bring this in? That's going to anchor me. That's going to make it so that my ideas can work again. And, and you get that kind of fleeting motion between, you know, I heard one, one book said I need to do it this way. And another book I said I needed to do it this way. So I took this one and it didn't work out well. So now I'm going to take this one. And, and we get this, you know, hodgepodge idea of strategy and coping with life and always being reactive and, and this, it just, the wind just blows it away. When we're looking for those fast results, when we're looking for that, that, that place where it's like, I, I just need to see the result right now, it just gets blown away. And God calls us to a faithful, steady, long-haul approach of saying, meditate on the law of God day and night. Have an anchor for your source. You know, in youth ministry, I learned very quickly that, that youth can, be, uh, can change their opinions quite quickly. 
You know, as a youth pastor, I, I would be up there and I would show this great entertaining night and speak a word that was encouraging and challenging and all this stuff. And, you know, it was the most exciting thing. And the youth would be like, Pastor Rob, you're the best. Yay. And, uh, and it, was, it was a lot of fun. But, but then, you know, I'd get to a point where, where the youth were like, I don't want to play that game. It's like, I don't want to do that. And, you know, I'd invested the same amount of energy I had done the same type of work, but the results were very different. And if I had allowed for that to be my counsel, then I would have spent my years in youth ministry chasing the whims of these youth who are so important. But what they needed was a leader who was going to be faithful, who was going to be consistent, what they needed was somebody who was going to bring them what they needed rather than what they felt like in the moment. And through and through, the youth were able to come and trust me, and we were able to grow together. And some of those youth now are flourishing in their life where they are so blessed because of that steady foundation. You know, opinions vary all over the place. They fly through the air, they fly through our radio waves and over our 5G networks. And, you know, the, the hot thing is to be outraged today about something. To be outraged today about, you know, police brutality or to be outraged today about, you know, the, the way that people aren't following the rules or to be outraged today about all of these complaints and things that are wrong about the government throwing trillion dollar benefit packages out and we, we're outraged and everybody is outraged. And then tomorrow, it just becomes passing news. It doesn't sell. It's not sensational. It's just there. And when we carry through the drama of the outrage, when we follow the ways of this world, when it looks at all of the things going wrong and goes, oh, this is wrong, and oh, that is wrong, we lose our center focus of peace. And we miss the planted by streams of water that God is encouraging us with. We miss it. And so God has called us back to verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. See, God sees you, and he sees the adversity all around you. This is the fourth point. He, he sees you. Consider the end of those who don't look for God and don't look for his counsel, who don't anchor themselves in the eternal truths of Scripture. They have nothing but the smorgasbord of conflicting counsel. And the Bible says that it's not strong enough. It's like the chaff blown away. In, set, in fact, in verse 5, it says that they will not be able to stand in the judgment. They won't be able to participate in the council or in the congregation of the righteous. Walking in God's way produces a unique life. It produces a faithfulness and a security and a strength. And so when you feel like that adversity is coming against you, Psalm 1 gives us a prayer that says, I can go to God and I know that he is going to encourage me into this faithfulness that he will not let me go. 
Walking in the way of following the whims of our culture will lead to death and destruction, will lead to character decay. Verse 6 says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It isn't so much that God smites you, but that the outcomes are just natural. When your information source is varied and based on spontaneous, spectacular trends, you have nothing that you're able to build your life on. And so God calls us to say, anchor yourself. You know, this is the first psalm I memorized. I was eight years old when I memorized this psalm. And it has stuck with me the rest of my life. It is life-giving. I would encourage every single one of you, if you do not yet have Psalm 1 memorized, write it out. Write it out daily. Memorize this psalm because in it there is eternal truth. This prayer is a reflection that says, God, thank you for that stability. I believe that we need to receive our counsel from God and God primarily, and he speaks through his word. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much that you have shown us that when we feel like maybe we didn't choose the best strategy because other people are producing results that we're not, We think, oh, well, maybe if we copy their shortcuts and do their things and follow their lead, that that we will get better results. But we thank you for putting us in a perspective that is longer. We thank you that, that we see that when we follow you, produces fruit in its season. And so we we trust you. For those of us who who are struggling right now, I pray that you would increase our trust in you, that our focus would become determinedly and intentionally focused back on you. And that you would see us improve, grow, strengthen, and be encouraged like a tree planted by streams of water. In Jesus' name, amen.